on YouTube. Wow, what a show. The live podcast for Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. We are in outreach and a session or a series titled Apples of Gold. We're so glad this morning that you are uh, with us and we will be reading from chapter 12. We have um, gotten all the way up to chapter 12, which means that our month is moving rather quickly. God is good. And our co-host this morning uh, to, to read with us is um, Benona Gabrielle. God bless you now. Um, how are you? Let me. Very good, very good. I think that I am um, not reading my schedule just right. Woo, girl. So anyway, by the grace of God, we're going to proceed and hopefully uh, get through it. We won't hold ourselves very long. So uh, you may say good morning your own way. Say a prayer your own way and we can get moving. Amen. And Anona, um, I don't know if you could turn up your volume a little bit. It's you know you're very low at this point. Is that possible? Right now, yes. The wicked desires the net of evil men, 
but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. A man shall be satisfied with good fruit by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth in unto counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covers sin. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a word, of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace it's fair. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it sweet, but a good word maketh it glad. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked produceth sorrow. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. In the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, Gabs. Uh, we're getting messages here that you are too low and that they cannot hear your reading. So I don't know what that is. Can you raise your volume even more? No, I just saw these. High as I can get it. And um, there's always this issue with either I can't be heard at all or the volume. And I'm doing the best I can. It's as high as I can get it. Okay. Um, let's see. It is as high as I can get it. Can you hear me? I do hear you. I'm trying to find out if they hear you. Type back, hopefully. <laughs> no one is saying anything. Well, um, just give me one second. H hold on a second.
Okay. Uh, can you say something now? Um, you could take this soul home. I, I don't know what else I can do. Okay. Well, I'll get started. And if you guys out there, I, I welcome you to the reading. And if you can hear, please let me know if you can. And if you cannot, uh, please also let me know. So, whoso loveth instruction loves knowledge, but he that hates reproof is brutish. Now, and that is um, that is quite a statement um, with regards to. Oh goodness, every, nobody can hear anything. Oh, that's off. Um, they can't even hear me. Amazing. Um, Okay, well, whosoever loveth instruction loves knowledge, but he that hates that doesn't like to uh, receive uh, criticism, and and that's something that in my teaching, I always um, I have a whole um, what you call it chapter, a whole lesson on on a conflict, right? And the thing about our sensitivities is that. We don't like, uh, some of us more than others, don't like uh, criticism or conflict. However, it is not possible to live in relationship with others if there is no tension of any sort ever, because we are such fallen people and we are very, very self-concerned. I won't even say self-focused, I just say self-concerned because, um, or in that we don't I uh, like to have our our uh, shortcomings called out, so to speak, or have uh, anyone say that we're wrong or have, you know, criticize the way we are talking or the way we do or all that stuff. But um, tension in relationships is, is extremely important because it is only then that the differences between our thinking and processing or our viewpoints are discussed, understood, and ironed out. So conflict is is a part of building a really good relationship. And if we have those uh, feelings of, of brutishness, by the way, I think that that kind of means that you fight back, you know, you, you retort back, maybe more... Uh, strongly than you even mean to, or we even mean to, but we want to heed this one because it's, of course, for emphasis and for what understanding and learning, it has been repeated over and over several times in the Psalms themselves. Um, so good morning, all of you who've come in. We had a little difficulty, but we're moving along now, and I hope you will stay um, someone left and I wish they would come back, but nonetheless, um, a good man obtains favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. God will condemn those who in their lives consider the stealthy way or the false way or the, um, 
the wicked way, just evil against someone else, which they do all the time. And of course, uh, uh, Gabs, if if you would like, from time to time, you you know, you can talk and see if we can hear you because I did some adjusting on the phone. I don't I don't know that that has anything to do with it. I do the same thing every day when I I set up to call in. So I I'm just trying to. Um, Make sure that you know you you come through. You're prepared, and I really would like for you to do what you're prepared to do. So we go on, and again, um, the proverbs are continuously repeating the idea of the virtuous woman. In fact, isn't it something that it starts with this whole um, kind of uh, what you call it when you're when you're talking a whole treatise, so to speak, to the male on getting wisdom and understanding and includes in this the virtuous woman. And yet there's so much about a wicked man. So women out there and men don't get confused. God is not just highlighting women as non-virtuous creatures, nor as all of them uh, harlots and and wretched people. I loved chapter nine when uh, we heard such a beautiful rendering, an explanation of a woman who is gracious and who uh, in her graciousness obtains for herself honor. All women are not hard. All women are not non-virtuous. Women are as men, there are some who need training and teaching, and as well as men who also need it. Brutish men are difficult to be with. Hardcore men, and when I say that, I mean they're hardened in their attitude, they're hardened in their uh, devices, and the Proverbs is bringing that out. Uh, uh, it, continuously, we're talking we're told about the wicked man. And so we're going to just skip through and highlight just a few of these. I hope I don't miss uh, some very important ones. And if I do, uh, uh, Gabs, would you please just bring it in and uh, you know give us your point of view? I can hear you. And so I will share that out. Um, the wicked, verse 13 says, um, the wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. And so to me, that is a, a to be snared or to be caught is like a trap. Uh, we, you know, the farmers would set traps for animals that they wanted to keep out of their gardens or away from their chickens, you know, so they set these traps. And if you step in the trap, right, it clamps. You're, you're ensnared, you're snared by that. And this verse is saying that the wicked are snared by their, the, 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 the wrong that comes out of their mouths. You know, some people are just, um, I, oh, I, I was in a, in a store and I heard a man with his child. That man cursed that child so badly. I really just wanted to swoop the child up and take him away. And generally, I can kind of approach a person and say things, you know, because of the, that's kind of the personality that I have. And the Lord has kind of enabled me to do that with many people. However, there are times when I am 
restrained. Like I can't do it. It's like I was in my tracks. I couldn't move. And I think God was protecting me because if you can do such a thing to a child, what will you do to someone who stands as tall as you? He cursed the child so badly. Every word was vile. Oh, it was, it was horrid. I, I just felt so bad for the child. And what the man doesn't know is that that child is learning from him. And now to the child, they are words, harshly spoken, yes, but they are words. And of course, I also work with young people who cursed all the time. They just said one vile word after another while they were in school, even with their teachers. Absolutely no sense of what is correct in a particular place and what is incorrect. And of course, with God, whatever is incorrect anywhere is incorrect everywhere. So not only would they not have a sense of you know being in school and respecting teachers and, and it's for learning, they don't have that sense even with their friendships or with their parents. And the reason that I can kind of vouch for it is because for what I said, make it valid, I would uh, stay and talk with groups of of my students, young guys, as a matter of fact, mostly, and they would sit out there and talk. I'm, you know, stay late and working in the office, and they would sit out and discuss things that are of importance to them. But they would just throw in these words every which way. So one night I went out and I said, "Tell me, guys, um, you know, this language is not appropriate at all times. So why do you talk like this all the time?" And they told me, well, Miss P, that my our parents do this, you know. But along with those words comes a uh, a a thermometer that measures right the psyche. It is how angry, how frustrated, how out of touch with everything else around you, you could be. And so when you enter into a place where this is not appropriate. It's for your age. Now we we hear you know people in government using certain words all the time, which I would like to write every one of them and say, "How dare you? Our children are listening to your speeches, your talking, your debates. Cut that out. It is inappropriate. We're raising children in a country that will enfold on itself if we don't begin to get some kind of wisdom about this, right? So um, the very words that you speak, right? Not only vowel words that make you uh, not, a, you're not gonna be invited in certain areas. You're, not, you're just not gonna be there, right? The ensnarement of your own lips, but also whatever it is you're thinking that you have not yet tried before that which is righteous. You have to know what you're talking about before you actually begin to say it out, right? And and truth is, everybody thinks they have their own truth because we live in a place where you can freely express your ideas. This is a privilege, but it is not a uh, free-for-all. We're not giving you license to say or do everything that you want to say or do. Hence the uh, 
vile statements and a bad speech against a particular group of people can land a person in jail. But if you don't know that, right, you're just out with it. You know, these Mexicans, these black folks, these niggas, these whatever, you know, these spicks, these whatever, whatever it is you're talking about. It is not appropriate and it is now called hate speech. So we can't just do what we want to do and you can't just say what you want to say. The other part of this is you, if you ever filtered and restrained your own a tongue, the Bible, I think it's in Proverbs, it says, that, you know, a, a man's tongue, our tongues are set on, on fires of hell. You can say things that are uh, indicting uh, uh, to your own character. You know, you reveal your own inner heart condition, and therefore you are again ensnared by the words of your mouth. I think this one really, did work, did, did, yes, kind words bring life. Yes, cruel words crush the spirit. Thank you, uh, Benona Gabs is, is writing to us. Please share. Uh, and I would love to check your microphone again, just to see if we could hear you, because I'd love for you to, to continue to take over. So that is, the, you know, verse 13. And, uh, Verse 14 follows and says, A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. The fruit of his mouth will bring forth good, and the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. So the, the work of your hands, the fruit of your mouth, isn't that something? Not the fruit of your hands and the recompense of your mouth, but the recompense of your mouth and the work of your hands. And of course, that is summed up in Light Touch's uh, um, statement here, <clears throat> kind words bring life. This this uh, series that we are uh, using here for the reading through of Proverbs, we have titled uh, Apples of Gold <clears throat> because there is a proverb that says, a word fitly spoken is like an apple of gold. And the, it's the weight, you know, the weight, the value of the gold as, a, as an apple. There is a way uh, to, to speak. Of course, there is. It can be deliberate and chosen. And the way that you speak doesn't necessarily, excuse me, have to line up with your heart. We want to make sure by God's word, remember, out of the heart are the issues of life. Out of the heart, we reveal, we speak, the mouth speaks, and we are revealing who we really are. So who do you want? Well, who are you really, right? It's going to show up. And if you don't like the picture that you draw of yourself when you speak, it would be a good thing then to uh, improve your heart condition what do I really believe? What am I really saying? It just it's a matter of really uh, checking yourself. I'm, I'm working with someone who's writing a book and she has a whole section in there on self-reflection, self-assessment. And, and she highlights uh, the fact that in an irritable, overwhelming, you know, challenge of her life, she began to to take it out on others. And um, she stopped and went into self-reflection. And she measured herself to have 
mis misappropriated um, foundational uh, principles within our own life. And I'm saying this, not telling you the name of the book, but it's an excellent work. It's an excellent book out of which she could lift this lesson on self-reflection and decide, you know, just teach it. And each of us say, let me take a good look at myself. I'm a person who is easy. I, I react quickly and, um, it's because I guess I'm stunned or shocked by things that are happening around me or things that are expected of me or things that are said about me. And so I react very quickly, right? I did that for over half my life, if not more. When I realized that that reaction was causing a, a blow to the person who was talking to me, and do I, did I want to do that? The answer is absolutely, I do not. And so I learned quickly to apologize. And then it occurred to me that an apology is not good enough. I have to ask the Lord to allow me, fix me so that I am able to take any words that come to me calmly. Because ultimately, words to me are not the breaking of me. You know, uh, that old little adage we said as children, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never kill me or hurt me or whatever that was. Absolutely, they do not. They are words. Now, the person who speaks the words are going to have to give an account of the words spoken. But the person that you speak them to, they're, they're not, I don't have to give an account of them at all, right? Because you could speak truth about me or you could speak a lie about me. If you speak truth, well, it is truth. If you speak a lie, hey, it's not true. And that's it. And you learn to be uh, like the duck, you learn to have a, a sensitivity that is impervious to criticism, impervious to slander, impervious to all that stuff. Not to the degree necessarily that you walk away and leave it as it is, but to the degree that you do not return the same ill for the one that you have received. I think that this is really, really good indeed food for thought. Uh, verse 17 says, he that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness shows deceit. Absolutely. And like really and truly, it is such, this, this chapter is replete with the idea of your speaking and my speaking. Listen, if I go back to uh, verse six, the words of the wicked and um, and go on down, a mighty a man shall be commended according to his wisdom. See, but uh, a perverse heart shall be despised. All of that. Uh, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Yes, Gabs, you kind of uh, quoted that. He that tills the land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Yes, we are also needing to learn to work. Now, it isn't that people who don't work are lazy and wouldn't work. It is that in a society as, as ours, with the regulations that are set before us, 
Uh, sometimes people cannot work. They will not. They won't get a job through the normal means of getting a job. And it has to do with a couple of things. There are many factors to go into that. So you can't look at a person and assume because they don't have a job or they're not working at a time that they're lazy and bummy. You also cannot assume that because they're kind of lying around that they are just, you know, don't care. And, want, and we get a lot of that uh, amongst us, especially in my ethnic group. That is not really real all the time. If you cannot work, you, you really have to uh, contend with your own uh, psyche there. You may be depressed and now can't get out of bed. I know a few people like that and they're not of my ethnic group. I can't get a job. I can't get a job. They try, they try. And then they have social anxiety and they can't keep a job and they keep, though they try and they try. And if they've been incarcerated, they can't get hired, though they try and they try. And if you are uh, don't have the right education and you don't kind of fit in the slots of the open, open jobs, you try and you try. There are many reasons. However, I like to uh, counsel uh, those in those conditions to create your own job get up and do something because if you don't if you allow the situation to get the best of you you will get depressed you i'll get depressed if i need a job and i cannot find it and i have the bills that i need to pay i have you know maybe children that i have to take care of listen my husband and i went through a very sorry period here when he was quickly laid off from a very high powered high paying job and you know they just downsize and they just wipe people's lives away from them. What are you going to do about that? The company couldn't pay them, so he couldn't keep working, right? <laughs> and then he's in the, at an age and in a society that took the very work he does. He learned it before it became a degree, and we had worked in it for all those years. And then now you have to have a certain level of education to do it. Well, he does have a PhD, but it's not in that field that he worked in for all that time. So you have to adjust. It's not easy to do it, but it is also not impossible to do it. We can be creative and we can pray and ask God to show us how to navigate a system that doesn't want to let you in. I say create it for yourself, right? Because I'm that creative kind of person, but I'm bad at business, you know, starting my own business so that I would need help. And uh, really and truly there are a group of young men who have been incarcerated and they have, the, well, <clears throat> not just incarcerations because they are at the felony level and they have a whole network called Jobs for Felons. And what they do is send out an email blast <clears throat> and give uh, those companies that will hire uh, so you, you have help navigating it. And they also have creative jobs on the list. This is all we're talking about. Uh, I believe the Lord is showing us here. It isn't that just because a person doesn't work that he is slothful and lazy. It is though that you uh, you you need, um, you, you have to get up and till. And till the land, that's very farmer-like. So if all else fails, plant a tomato bush and stand out and sell at the market. There are ways, and I want to impress upon you that there are ways. So um, Light Touch also write literally health to us physically and emotionally. You're right, because when, when we hurt each other, you know, when we just push those words out there, uh, Light Touch is going back to that, uh, that can damage a person. So, uh, 
so you can just pull so badly that they live with a, the uh, side effects of trauma. And that's what I think would happen to that poor little child that I saw that day. And I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. What I heard this father or man say to this child, I mean, he's towering over this child by at least uh, five, five and a half feet. And this little toddler sitting down there looking up to him, right, to be his guard and to be his uh, helper and to be his protection. And there he is spouting out these very negative, hard, core words along with the brutish attitude. God help us to see and to know and to understand. And for those of us who do know, if you are in relationship with someone like that, with the leading of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of God, the anointing there, don't, you know, don't go and do to them what they've done. Just try to impress upon them the impact and see what the ultimate problem is in that mind and in that heart. Use the words of God that are so skillful in causing us to see ourselves. Praise the Lord for it. And verse 19 says, The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. That's the truth. You know, we, th there's another thing that's going on in, in our, I think, in our country with regards to how we do business. But regardless of that, in our relationships, it's so easy to um, not, not, stand responsibly for uh, words you've said or things you've done, etc. And if you tell a lie, this proverb says it's, it's not going to be forever. You're not going to get away forever. You, you're going to just escape for a moment. And then when you're find, found out, your reputation is really then blotted because now you are known to be a liar. Never mind the thing that you're hiding, but you're now labeled a liar. And as many people as tell lies, they don't like to be around people who tell lies. Isn't that funny? <laughs> if I lie, I sure don't want you to lie, but I'm lying. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> and then, uh, so verse 20 says also that deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace, there is joy. It pays to be a counselor of peace. Because, you know, your heart now is filled with the goodness and the benefit of being in right standing with your creator and God and living a righteous life and man. You know, the Bible tells us when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to dwell in peace with him or at peace with him. So... Your heart is filled with joy. And then verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Absolutely. You know, Jesus Christ says that uh, those people who are lying, that their father is the devil, who is the father of lies. So when we make a practice of being a liar, we are actually operating in the camp of the very one who comes to rob your life away, to destroy the quality of your life, and to ultimately cause you in the stumbling thereof to find death, purely death. I believe the Bible is literal 
even now many people don't want to say that it is but uh, they get the confusion of uh literary devices that are older than any english class you would take today of course we study that which is already approved itself to be uh, a useful tool and in honors uh talk about wisdom she explained to us how the personified wisdom imports to our very being the fact that this wisdom is a almost a living entity because it brings to us also life absolutely the same way <clears throat> so these 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 devices don't refute the truth that is spoken the truth is that a gracious woman does bring honor to herself the truth is that the lord does despise lying lips the truth is despite the devices that are used and when we read we must be able to recognize the literary devices personification is just just one of them you know in in hebrew poetry there is a synonymous kind of parallelism and then there's an antithetic there, there are many devices that are used in the bible and descriptions that serve as metaphors or similes or it, it's a it's an excellent book to read you're not i i love to read and there's no book that I like to read more than the Bible because of its absolute brilliance in the writing. Who could do that but God, of course. And then people study it and they bring it into secular literature, but it appears here. And this is a very old book. So, <clears throat> uh, nothing, you know, things we think things are new under the sun. We think somebody invented it. Nobody, nobody did invent it. The Lord God himself. And in the poetic books, he tells stories in poetry that is now a device used in modern uh, film and all this stuff, you know, telling the story in poetry. I watched a film the other night that was purely a poem. Before that, my sister is the first person I ever heard do it other than the Bible. She didn't publish. She didn't get famous for it. And behind her doing it came a woman, Nosaki Shange, who did for Color Girls Only poetry and but the bible has been doing it forever you see for the all these centuries way back there when uh the beginning uh, was was unfolding before us and then we come to verse 24 the hand of the diligent shall bear rule but the slothful shall be under tribute now under tribute is um to be under um the the laws for for giving taxing tribute paying you know giving out into the government but the man who is diligent who works he will be the ruler he's going to bear rule because you feel like you can trust him right so this morning it is this reading highlights from from gabs our co-host this reading highlights the contrast between the wicked and the righteous the character and behaviors of each man shows the relationship with God, brings blessing and eternal life, but the wicked suffer consequences and the penalty of death. And by this reading, it, are you talking the whole chapter? Because I agree with it. Wherever you stop in this chapter, you're going to land on this. Or are we highlighting one particular verse? I do like that. Um, 
absolutely highlights the contrast. In fact, that's what the Proverbs do. If you read one of them, uh, first it sets up almost um, an equation, except the the two sides are not equal. They're actually uh, they're actually dead contrast opposites, right? Um, but you have two sides in every uh, one of the Proverbs, almost every one of them. For example, this one, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Huh, that's one side. But they that deal truly are his delight. So you have absolutely the opposite. You have the contrast of the, of the situation. Lying lips, we're talking lips, but true lips, we're talking lips, you see. Lying lips, the abomination equals abomination, but true lips equals delight. That's it, of the Lord, right? Absolutely beautiful. That's right. And then uh, Gabs writes also, I'm sorry, I'm not keeping up. Obedience to God brings us into closer relationship with him and the benefit of his blessings and kindness. The wicked will be judged and suffer great ramification for his actions, ramifications, outcomes, uh, results. Absolutely. Those things that we cause when we are obedient, you you, you have an outcome for obedience. You have an outcome for disobedience. And which one would you rather, right? Now, you know, we're talking the chapter and all of the scriptures. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, going on to uh, verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. Okay, I did that one. And then so we land again. Heaviness in the heart of a man makes it stop. Stoop. Stoop. Sorry but a good word makes it glad. Now, again, that's right. Uh, remember, I'm talking about people who are not working and we make these assumptions that they don't want to work, they're so lazy, they just can't do this thing thing, you know, like I'm doing this thing thing because I got it right right now, right? <laughs> I'm doing it right so I can judge you for doing it wrong. And surely there is a judgment for for slothfulness. There is a judgment for um, not getting up and getting about life, the life you've been given. There is one, and God is definitely going to hold us responsible. But there is also one for those of us who are in progress. You know, you're doing something for the moment, but your heart is not right, right? Because the Lord is telling us that he loves the, he, he really is mindful of the poor. He's really mindful of the disenfranchised. He's very mindful of those who have less than we have. And when we have been blessed by the Lord, when we are upheld and can move along, by the way, there is nothing that we have that God has not given us. And it is written in the book of Corinthians. If you, if he gave it to you, why do you boast in it? Why are you feeling better than anybody else? Because you have a little something going on for yourself. You cannot do that. Even a king cannot do that. And King David, the best and the wisest of all kings ever in the world, ever that lived after God's own heart, he was a man. And that was because he did not, he did not consider himself above the people that he ruled. Oh, he made some mistakes in his power, for sure. And they are recorded for us to read. But when he was called out for his missteps, David humbled himself before God. Even once he asked God to put the penalty of his sin on himself and spare the people. Let me bear it. I did it. Now, what king do you know would do that? 
there ain't a president in the United States, I think, that would actually go up and say, I did this evil. Let me bear it and not the people. And the Lord did that because he asked him what um, what rule he wanted. And we get a, a note from Fresh and Spacious. I'm sorry, Fresh and Spacious. We get two here. Um, diligence can bring success and promotion and provision for a light touch. And then Freshen says, I so appreciate the comments on the literal word and use of literary devices. And yes, those of us in progress have to consider much and even in lack have much to consider. Absolutely. We are the beauty of God's creation. And I, you know what? I, I recall that when the blind man, he healed a blind man and he asked his disciples, you suppose he, that he was born blind, that it was a, you know, it was for sin. And, and they say they thought it was, you know, I think if I recall this correctly, and he said it was not, but that, that he could show forth his own glory. God has appointed to us a life and by his grace and power, I pray this morning that you and me accept what he's done. And understand that under God, in Christ Jesus, we are what? His workmanship. We really are his workmanship. Everything everything about us in terms of, you know, how our upbuilt, your, your, your hair, his workmanship. The size of your head, his workmanship. The big nose or the little nose, his workmanship. The mouth, his workmanship. My ears, his workmanship. Right, my uh, my my height, his workmanship. My um my uh, size, my propensity, you know, to be thick or to be skinny. Now, I'm not talking about overeating. I'm saying the propensity, that that natural thing. You have a, a small bony structure, his workmanship. You have a big bone structure, his workmanship. I got little feet, medium feet, or big feet. They all of this. It's what God has made and done. And I'm telling you, when we take care of this that he has done, by taking care, I simply mean you're clean, you, you are well-nourished, you are diligent in your way. When we present, and of course, if we, we know Jesus Christ and we let him do the work in us and guide us and bring us into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ, see, it's the internal man God is working on, it ref is reflected outwardly. When we do that, we bless the world, and it doesn't matter what you look like. I like to. Well, I have a I have a teaching coming that I'm going to do on um, loving yourself, loving yourself. But I think I want to shock you with what I'm going to say because I'm coming straight from a word in 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 God's word. I'm coming straight out of a scripture because we are told that people don't love themselves. But the Bible doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, it says quite the opposite. So we're right down to the very end here. <laughs> the sulfur man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Now, I, I, I don't know what it means about if, if the sulfur man goes hunting and he doesn't get to roast what he took in hunting. Um, I, I, I don't kind of get that unless it is... Um, what do you call it when you're being irony? So I guess the sulfur man doesn't go hunting at all. The lazy man is subject to remain stagnant and doesn't gain much. He's not fit to be over anything or anyone. A sad thing for the wicked. Yeah, I think that uh, that refers back to the uh, 
wicked, the, the, the um, diligent will bear the rule, but the slowful shall um, be under tribute. Yes, thank you. That's a good, good uh, rec um, translation of that. And so I think this, the verse 27 is probably, um, Anna, tell me if I'm right or wrong, and a, a statement of irony um, or a, a mockery sort of. The slothful man roasted not that which he took in hunting because he didn't take anything. He didn't go at all. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't finish what he starts. Okay, that he does not roast shows he, his slothfulness. Absolutely. Um, but if he took it, I'm saying you ought to roast it. Good gracious. And then in the way of righteousness, the final verse, verse 28, in the way of righteousness is life. In the way of righteousness is life. In the way of righteousness is life. I almost don't want to read the next one because who doesn't want life? And who doesn't want a good life? Who doesn't want an abundant life? Who does not want not the things that we define our lives by? but the relationship with God that defines the quality of our lives. Joy, peace, forgiveness for those things that you might have been guilty of that have caused you shame. Forgiveness for the missteps that sent you into a spiral that you didn't want to enter into or a pathway. The hope of knowing that after this physical death, your spiritual life will continue. The hope of being able to look forward to, the joy of being able to look forward to a grand event that will unite us with those that we have missed for so many years in this world. Only those things that come with salvation. Only that which God can provide and all the benefit of it that he offers. As uh, Light Touch writes, all the things only Jesus can offer, life and that more abundantly. And you're right, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But I have to, end, I have to finish the verse because it is a part of the verse. And it is indeed the exact contrast to in the way of righteousness is life. And this is an equality. When we use and the conjunction, we connect two things of equal uh, value or of equal import or of equal impact. In the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway thereof, there is no death. Oh, that's, I was, oh, that's great. I was reading it wrong. I thought I was going to say there is death. Okay. No, this is the whole thing. We want to remember this one. In the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway of that same thing, there is no death. Oh, God, thank you for letting me see that right. In the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway thereof, there is no death. Hallelujah, indeed. Glory to God. 
Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. And as it is said in the old traditional way of the churches, your word is already blessed. Your word already, Father, is anointed. Your word is truth. Your word is life. And it is uh, marrow to our bones. It's strength to our very persons. It is nourishment to our spirits. Lord God, that we might, uh, it is death to the flesh. Hallelujah. Thank you for planting it in us. Thank you, Father, for commanding its growth in us. In the name of Jesus Christ, that we may indeed attain the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ as you have planned for us. And that every day of our lives be a lesson in the classroom of our God. Let us hear from you, Father, and be led by your spirit. May we commune with you always and bring us into good, good fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters, all the redeemed of your kingdom. Amen. 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 I'm going to get it right. I will look at the calendar and know who will join us. So we've dined again at a very finely set table. Only God can speak as he speaks. Only he can uh, allow his word or, you know, put the power in his word to bring our hearts into submission to his way. And he doesn't do that by ruling and beating us down. He simply does that by giving us wise counsel and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to guide us in that counsel as we live. I pray that you are willing to hear him, willing to submit and come into the family that he has established by his own hand, by his own death on the cross, and by the conquering of the death that we walked in, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will meet you again in the evening, maybe, wherever you are in the world. It depends on your time zone, of course. But I, we will be again this evening at 8.30 and ask you to join us. Praise be to God. Have a wonderful one.